Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT Podcast. I'm your host, VR1. This is what we do. Um, we're going to pick up right where we left off, ladies and gentlemen. And if we have time, we're going to finish with the psychology series. Let me adjust my sound a little bit. Um, it's been a hectic day. I had a lot going on today. And um, I'm just getting back into a rhythm. I had a busy week. I've been working my ass every day. And um, I recorded some music today. I did 25 songs. I released the record. And um, that's where we are right now. Let me just double check this article that I did that can be found on Nasdaq.com. Shout out to Nasdaq.com. For sponsoring today's episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. Um, let's continue where we left off in um, our last episode. And here we go. Etsy seeing gains after posting solid figures in the latest quarterly update. Okay. Another company making waves in the stock market now would be Etsy. Um, for the uninitiated, it essentially operates as an online marketplace. Through the Etsy platform, consumers get access to a vast array of handmade or vintage items alongside craft supplies, the likes of which range from jewelry, bags, apparel, and furniture to toys and art. More importantly, similar to Block, Etsy is gaining attention in the stock market thanks to its latest fiscal quarter financial update. Diving in, the company raked in a total revenue of $717 million, topping consensus estimates of $685 million. Moreover, Etsy is also looking at quarterly earnings per shares of $1.11, crushing Wall Street expectations of $0.79. Now, Etsy stock is gaining by over 6% as of today's opening bell. For one thing, investors could also be considering the company's impressive gross merchandise sales numbers as well. Namely, Etsy's total GMS for the quarterly stacks up to a record high of $4.2 billion. This translates to a respectable 16.5% year-over-year increase, explaining the company's latest performance is CEO Josh Silverman. He says, during the holiday season, our sellers, most businesses of one and insulated from widespread supply shortages or complex fulfillment process, brought the benefits of shopping small to scale. Shoppers continue to love their experiences with, with Etsy and are coming back for more. While all this is great, Etsy is leaning towards the safer end in terms of guidance this quarter. This is evident as it outlooks for both quarterly revenue and GMS are currently below analyst forecast. Nevertheless, this does not seem to be deterring investors from jumping on Etsy stock today. If you enjoyed this article and you're interested in learning how to trade so you can have the best chance to profit consistently, then you need to check out this YouTube channel. Click right here. Yeah, nice try, uh, <laughs> Nasdaq.com. But we're gonna, we're actually gonna save the site. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, when things dealing with the market, 
for all investors of all backgrounds when you can just go online and kind of do some research and it's basically laid out I hate uh, online subscriptions that give you like 30 days and you get to read all the articles for free then they charge you a membership and a monthly charge and you know if you want more detailed data then they charge you more for that like listen if it's gonna be free news let it be free news you know, if not, then don't say that it's so, you know. You go on certain search engines and they have all these feeds from all these other sites. And again, they let you read the first article and then they go with the, oh, subscription stuff. Like, information is information. You know, I could turn on the news easily, watch all the news and even learn more about the markets, you know. But some people are old school like myself. They like to read about stuff and analyze it and use some critical thinking. So that's what I have to say politically about that. But... Enough of more. Let's go to Yamish Alcindor and let's go to Washington Week and let's see what, what they're talking about over there. All right? Let's see what we're looking at as far as the market. Give this a second to queue up and um, kind of start from there. I just, when it comes to education, I'm, I'm very pro like. You know, you have a lot of students that are struggling financially and sometimes they, they can't afford a book. So they have to do research old school, you know, encyclopedias, go to the library, read a, mar a magazine journal article or something like that. And I just think about that because I'm technically one of those students, you know, all my education, 95 percent has come from from online, you know. And all the in classroom learning, I did all that stuff when I was a young man, you know, now it's like. Come on, we don't have time for that. You got to do research. Technology is changing every freaking day. And um, it is what it is at the end of the day, you know. Let me see what we can do. Kind of speed this up a little bit. And here we go. We're going to go on the countdown. So let me just close this out very quickly. But once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning back in. And here is my countdown. Five, four, three two one let's go Putin chose this war and now he and his country will bear the consequences Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine and America and its allies impose strict economic sanctions. Whoever would try to stop us, Russia's response will be immediate and lead to such consequences that you have never faced in your history. Russian President Vladimir Putin ominously warns the West not to interfere. Meanwhile, the new war in Europe rattles the economic markets and sends oil prices even higher. Plus, my nominee for the United States Supreme Court is Judge Ketanji Jackson. President Biden nominates the first black woman to the Supreme Court. Next. This is Washington Week. Corporate funding is provided by... Oh, they want free advertisement on my show. That's not going to happen. And the estate of somebody else. This is PBS, so I don't care. They, they can have their free promotions. That's my contribution. Rose Herschel and Andy Shreves. Robert and Susan Rosenbaum. 
the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. Once again, from Washington, moderator Yamish Alcindor. Good evening and welcome to Washington Week. This is an incredibly busy news week. Tonight we have two lead stories, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the historic nomination of the first black woman to the Supreme Court. First, we begin abroad. This week, the world is seeing the largest military attack in Europe since World War II. Russia is attacking several of Ukraine's major cities by land, sea, and air. The assault has left hundreds already injured or dead. In response, President Biden and NATO leaders announced new sanctions aimed at stifling Russia's economy. And President Biden promised the world will hold Putin accountable. We've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. Between our actions and those of our allies and partners, we estimate that we'll cut off more than half of Russia's high-tech imports. will be a major hit to Putin's long-term strategic ambitions. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is pleading with the U.S. and the West for more help. This morning we are defending our country alone. Just like yesterday, the most powerful country in the world looked on from a distance. Russia was hit with sanctions yesterday, but these are not enough to get these foreign troops off our soil. The mood in Ukraine is panic and resolve. Some rushed to banks to withdraw cash in the hopes of fleeing the country. Others took shelter in underground subway stations, using them as bunkers. Residents were encouraged by Ukrainian officials to take up arms to defend the country. There are growing concerns the democratically elected government in Kyiv will be toppled. Joining me tonight to discuss this and more, Peter Baker, chief White House correspondent for The New York Times, David Martin, national security correspondent for CBS News, and Ann Simmons, Moscow bureau chief for The Wall Street Journal. She is joining us from Russia. Thank you all for being here. And I want to start with you. You are in Russia. What do we know about the latest about what's happening on the ground in Ukraine? And also, what is Vladimir Putin hoping to achieve, both in the short term and in the long term? Well, it's clear that there's an all-out assault on Ukraine by Russian forces, by land, by air, by sea. Mr. Putin has made clear that his, his end goal is basically regime change. He wants to take the, the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. He has made clear that he wants to get rid of President Zelensky and that he wants to install, basically, someone who will be a bit more favorable to the Kremlin. And, and you talk, you're talking about sort of him wanting to install um, someone and really, in some ways, take away the, the democratic elected government there. Um, really quickly, briefly, um, also, when you think about sort of the rationale behind this, um, how he wants to be viewed by the history books, take us inside Putin's thinking on that front? It's really difficult to get inside Mr. Putin's head, that's for sure. But uh, the one thing that's clear is that he wants to make Russia great again. He's all, always made that clear. He wants to re-establish Russia on the global stage as a superpower. He has always thought that there are only two countries that the world should be listening to, or at least should have a say in terms of the world order, and those countries are Russia and the United States. There was a great humiliation uh, where, uh, after the demise of the Soviet Union. Mr. Putin, as you know, was a KGB officer, and he really felt that um, the Russian Empire still needed to exist. 
And he has been trying ever since coming to power to basically re-establish Russia, ensure that Russia still has respect on the global stage. And, and David, Anne's talking about sort of making Russia great again. You've been covering the Pentagon since just a few years after the Soviet Union collapsed. I wonder when you look at, at this situation, how quickly could Ukraine become fully under control of Russia? And also, when you think about it, what happens next? Um, and how long could this occupation go, go forward? Well, um, the original fear was that uh, Kyiv, uh, the capital, could, could fall within a day or two. The Russians are not advancing as quickly as they thought. The Ukrainians are fighting, and the Russians may well have underestimated uh, the opposition they uh, are receiving from the Ukrainians, but we shouldn't fool ourselves here. Uh, Russia has only committed about a third of those 150,000-plus troops that had amassed around the border. Uh, so it has much, much more firepower that it can uh, roll in against Ukraine. So what, what Russia calls the uh, correlation of forces still uh, heavily, heavily favors uh, Putin's side. And uh, Zelensky knows this. I mean, he's telling his uh, people tonight uh, this could be the night that decides the fate of our country. Now, the question is, is the fall of Ukraine, the deposing the Zelensky government, installing uh, a, a puppet regime, is that going to be enough? Or is uh, Putin going to feel compelled to eliminate every last uh, pocket of resistance in Ukraine, in which case uh, this, uh, this battle could go on uh, for certainly days, and if not weeks. And, and David, you said that Russia has more firepower. Is there thinking that he could be moving into possibly NATO territories later on? And does that change the calculation for American military troops who are not, um, President Biden has said, going to fight in Ukraine to defend that country's sovereignty? I don't think there's a point to move into uh, NATO countries because that's a, a, a whole uh, a different ballgame. But uh, the concern is that he is going to uh, permanently station troops in both Ukraine and Belarus. And that will radically uh, redraw the military map of NATO. And that is why uh, the U.S. and other NATO countries are uh, activating this response force to uh, put uh, thousands more troops up closer to uh, what will be the new front line with uh, uh, with Russia in uh, in countries uh, like Poland, Romania, and the Baltic states. And, and Peter, as we talk about sort of the, the military options here, um, sanctions have now been imposed personally on Vladimir Putin from the U.S. and from um, and from the EU. I wonder, can you talk a little bit about what what especially President Biden hopes to gain from these sanctions, and also what's the next step if things continue to deteriorate and these sanctions don't change um, the, Russia's calculations and their actions? Yeah, I think going after President Putin is a big step. It's something that wasn't done even during the Cold War. It's traditionally, you don't sanction heads of state. That's, it has been done before, but usually in, in, in very you know limited circumstances with rogue states, not with something uh, as large as, as, as Russia. 
So what they're saying is that, uh, they're making a statement. They're going after Putin where they think he is most vulnerable, and that is, of course, the ill-gotten gains that he is believed to have stashed in various uh, places around the world. Now, the trick here is that President Putin knows that this is what the West would or could do. He's known that for weeks, and he's already figured that into his calculus. And when he made the decision to go into Ukraine, he already figured that this is a trade-off he was willing to live with. And so while these uh, sanctions may serve as a punishment and maybe, uh, you know, increase the cost of this action by President Putin. They're clearly not a deterrent. They're clearly not going to stop him at this point in the, in the process. We heard President Biden say a couple of days ago, uh, was I think a day ago actually, it seems like forever, uh, was that he's going to give it a month or so to see how these sanctions, uh, you know, are affecting uh, Russia. And we'll see whether that changes the calculus. But at the moment, this is something President Putin expected. This is something he's willing to live with. And so that's not going to change the action on the ground, it doesn't look like. And, and in talking about sanctions, um, Russia, you told our producers, has gone to great lengths to make its economy sanction-proof. Have we heard anything specifically from Vladimir Putin in response to him being personally sanctioned? And I also wonder, what are the domestic challenges for him when you think about the fact that there are protests um, going on in Russia and, and there might be body bags coming back to Russian communities? Oh, this is not good for Vladimir Putin. Of course, you know, he needs the public on his side. Um, he has uh, made very clear that he feels that many Russians, most Russians, are behind him. And in the beginning, before the invasion, polls actually showed that more than half the Russian population actually agreed with giving independence to eastern Ukraine, the eastern Ukrainian Donbass region, which Mr. Putin recognized as independent, two breakaway regions there. So he really feels that Yes, I have the Russian people on my side. Nevertheless, um, it also depends on what Russians are actually seeing. Uh, state media here has, you know, basically uh, jumped on this narrative that Mr. Putin is pushing, that Russians are at risk, they're a threat in Ukraine. There is a genocide, he has said, against the Russian-speaking population there. He has said they are discriminated against. And that really does play to Russian sentiments. On TV, you, you do see that uh, there is shelling of cities in Ukraine, but the, the commentary is that the, the targets being hit are unknown targets. And definitely that the commentary is that, that Russians are not, sorry, that Ukrainians, the Ukrainian public is not being targeted, that civilians are not the target or in the way of Russian forces. Now, Mr. Putin is taking a bit of a gamble here because there have been some protests on the street. Um, on Thursday evening, for example, there are at least uh, 2,000, almost 2,000 arrests of, of people, or detentions, I should say, of people who went out onto the streets to protest and to say no to war. And this was across around 58 different cities in Russia. And there were 900 detentions alone in Moscow. Those people are very brave because it's not uh, possible, it's very dangerous to protest in Russia. There is repression, there is a crackdown. So there is this underlying kind of feel that um, among Russians that not everyone is buying into the narrative. One last point I'll make. Uh, there has been um, a, a petition on change.org basically calling for no war. And that petition is growing. It shows that there is this uh, wave in Russia of people who say no to war, and that this is not what we're doing, we don't deserve this. 
It is the government. It's not the people of Russia. Yeah. Um, and David, I want to come to you because in his speech announcing these uh, military actions toward Ukraine, um, President Putin talked about the fact that he, the people who were trying to, to try to interfere would suffer consequences like we've never before seen in history. Um, obviously, Russia is a nuclear power. Talk a bit about sort of He's letting everybody know I have those weapons. When it comes to nuclear um, weapons being used or when it, even the threat of nuclear weapons being used. Well, and that was an obvious threat to uh, use nuclear weapons. And it was certainly not a coincidence that in the days before the invasion, uh, he conducted a nuclear exercise and was made uh, sure to be seen on television uh, observing uh, the exercise. He has deterred the United States from intervening to stop this invasion of, of Ukraine uh, because of the threat of nuclear weapons. The, the U.S. is just not going to risk the fact that he might use a nuclear weapon to defend Ukraine, to support Ukraine, but the president made it very clear right from the start, uh, U.S. troops were not going into uh, Ukraine, even to rescue trapped Americans, uh, just on the chance that they would somehow get caught in the, uh, the crossfire between uh, Russian and Ukrainian forces. So you know, the, the, the U.S. has been using economic sanctions in an attempt to because that's all they're going to do is economic bullshit. That's not going to stop Putin. Putin is the president of Ukraine. And Peter, when you think about the other challenges that President Biden is facing, there's the economic challenges. How could this invasion possibly impact America, especially at the gas pump? And what is the White House planning to do about that briefly? Yeah, it's not a good timing for President Biden. He'd like, obviously, to get the economy doing better, particularly on inflation and energy costs. And now there's a risk that that will go the other direction. Uh, you've seen the markets uh, roiled in the last few days. You see the price of gas coming up at the pump. Uh, and the president's warned Americans that they're going to have to expect to absorb a little pain here. Russia is one of the largest energy producers in the world. We don't get a lot of it here in the United States from Russia directly. Most of that uh, goes to Europe. And they're obviously more on the front line in that regard than the United States is. But the world energy markets are fungible. And if the price goes up uh, elsewhere, it will go up here as well. And that's a problem for President Biden because he's already sort of lagging in the polls. He's in the mid-40s at approval rating. And he would have liked to have been able to spend this time uh, focusing on you know, curbing COVID and getting the economy in better shape rather than confronting Russia and looking for the economic costs here at home. And Anne, really briefly, there's obviously a humanitarian crisis playing out in Europe. I just want to look, have you look forward for a bit about the, the sort of new world order that we're seeing play out before our eyes. Well, it's certainly turning into a kind of geopolitical disaster. There is a humanitarian crisis brewing because you have uh, at least a million uh, Ukrainians on the move. And uh, it will not be contained. If this war continues, obviously, uh, there's no doubt that other countries are, are going to be involved, drawn in uh, un unwittingly, unwillingly, some places. Yeah. So um, this is really important. Well, right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back to another segment. Um, 
for right now, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. And um, tune back in after these commercial breaks once again. Today's sponsor is the PBS News Hour. Please log on to the PBS News Hour on YouTube. And make sure you let them know when you subscribe that we send you. Once again, thank you for listening to the VR1 NFT podcast. I'm your host, VR1. And we'll be back, y'all. Let's ride out into the sunset.